So many years ago, my husband and I were in a Sunday school class with a man who was the hardest working Christian we had ever met. And when I say hardest working, I mean exactly that. His life of faith involved a lot of work, a lot of requirements, a lot of checklists that he had to get through. Um, He was a relatively new Christian, and in his zeal to please God, he assigned himself a religious to-do list each week. So, for example, he each week had a certain number of people to pray for for a certain number of hours, and he had a certain number of Bible verses that he needed to memorize, and he had a certain number of hours that he was to volunteer at the church. This went on and on. And when he wasn't able to meet his religious quota, if you will, he was very unhappy because he genuinely believed that God required him to do those things, that, that he had to do that stuff. If he was going to stay in God's good graces, there were people in the church who tried to talk to him about this to explain that it didn't have to work that way, but he just couldn't hear it. So the checklists, well, they went on and on, and the requirements, well, they piled up and up and up, and uh, this went on for a couple of years. And then he just sort of drifted away. There was nothing melodramatic that happened, you know? He just sort of drifted off. He, He gradually stopped coming to church, gradually stopped coming to Sunday school, didn't return the phone calls of people who called to check on him. Now, friends, I I don't know for certain why he just seemed to walk away from everything, but I'll tell you, I I had a sneaking suspicion at the time it had something to do with the weekly checklist. He, He just seemed so burdened by it all. He seemed so miserable so much of the time. He also expressed feelings of guilt and shame as if he couldn't quite meet the mark with God. It seemed as if it, if it was anything for him with God, it was that he was always a day late and a dollar short. You know what I mean? He was just so weighed down by all of it, and I found myself thinking on more than one occasion that maybe he just found the whole thing to be such a grind that he decided to give up. He couldn't bear it, so... He just decided to walk away. And friends, I wish that man's belief around the checklists and the requirements that that was an isolated case, but I'm afraid it's not. No, I I think the reality is that every human being who longs to know God lives in a tension between grace and works. On the one hand, we long to believe that God meets us where we are with love that we don't need to earn or deserve the love of God. And on the other hand, deep down inside us, there's some voice that says, oh, it couldn't possibly work that way. You gotta earn it. You gotta deserve it. You gotta prove that you're worthy of love. And for some reason, the latter seems to be the weightier side of the equation for us. So the, the lists are made and the requirements pile up. And before we know it, our life of faith is a burden rather than a source of peace and joy. And so this morning, friends, right out of the gate, I want to assure you that God does indeed meet you right where you are 
with love. That you don't have to do anything to earn or deserve that love. In fact, us United Methodists, we have this foundational belief in this thing we call provenient grace. I hope you know that phrase, provenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. We believe, friends, that God claims us with grace from the very beginning of our lives. And as I said, that grace comes to us as a free gift. We don't have to do anything to earn or deserve it. So that means that we don't need to spend our time worrying about earning or deserving the love of God because it is already ours. Our job, if you will, is not earning the love and then collecting the prize. It's accepting the love that is already offered. Before we even know there is a God, that love is there for us. And then we live into the relationship. Friends, simply put, the Christian life is about relationship. It is not about requirements. It's all about relationship. Easy to say, sometimes hard to live into. So when John Wesley, the father of Methodism, came up with three simple rules to live by, three rules to guide us in our lives of faith, to keep us on the path of spiritual growth, the third rule was this, stay in love with God. Did you hear that? Stay in love with God, not get out there and earn or deserve the love of God. Stay in love with God. Nurture the relationship was, is the most important thing in the whole wide world. Now, friends, I believe in giving credit where credit is due. And actually, Wesley did not uh, articulate this rule this way. What, what he said was, attend to the ordinances of God. That was his 18th century way of saying, stay in love with God. It was actually a bishop named Reuben Job who re-articulated this rule for us to stay in love with God. But I think Job is just right on the mark because Wesley understood that the life of faith is about relationships. So he urged us to practice what he called ordinances. They're just spiritual practices like, like worship and prayer, studying Holy Scripture, receiving Holy Communion, engaging in holy conversation with Christian friends, not because those things are requirements we must fulfill so that God can love us, but because those are spiritual tools that help us draw close to God in relationship, nurture that relationship so that it is love, not requirements, but love that shapes our heart in our life. Of course, I love the way that Jesus put it, and I hope you were listening carefully when Matt read our scripture this morning. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, do you hear the invitation in that? Jesus says, put these burdens down. These things that you are creating for yourselves, these requirements and these checklists, stop trying to earn or deserve my love. Stop, stop thinking that you've got to prove that you are somehow worthy enough for me to love you. No, put all that stuff down. 
those obligations you're coming up with, that's, well, that's just a soul-crushing load that you are loading onto your back like bricks in a backpack. Put it down. Take on my yoke, which is easy and light. In other words, tether yourself to me. Connect yourself to me in relationship. And it is in that relationship, you see, that you will find rest. Man, doesn't that sound good to you? Rest for the weary. Rest for our souls. Given the lives that we lead, don't we need rest? You would think that we would be all over that, that we would embrace this immediately and live into it, but for some reason we do not. We say that we live by grace, friends, but we act like kids trying to get extra credit on homework with God. Follow any of us around for a day and you'll see this. It's, it's obvious. We have these very long to-do lists. And there are some things on those lists that we want to do. There's plenty on that list for each of us that we think we better do. We should do, we ought to do, we have to do if we want God to love us and keep loving us. We say that our lives depend on grace, but we act as if they depend on us and how we perform. Friends, do you know what I mean? We have this way of taking Jesus' yoke, which is easy and light, and turning it back into a hard and heavy yoke for ourselves, driving ourselves to do, do, do more, and be, be, be more, when all God has ever asked of us is that we belong to him. The grace comes first, and everything else follows, but we get the order reversed. And so we load ourselves up. We just really pile it on. We already have all of our responsibilities in our lives, our work, our family, our friends, other things, and then we just ladle on this big heap of obligation gravy all over the top. We work so hard to please God by fulfilling all these requirements. Friends, that is the most exhausting work in the world because it is a never-ending hamster wheel. That kind of work is never, ever done. You know, during this sermon series, I've been pretty confessional with you, and I thank you for showing me grace in that. So I have one more thing to confess today. Last year was really hard for me. Last year was really, really hard for me. I had more on my plate than any person could ever possibly eat, and it was my own fault. You see, this time last year, I was serving a very fast-growing church in the Dallas area. In fact, it's one of the fastest-growing churches in the North Texas Conference. And we were about to embark on yet another capital campaign on the heels of completing our sanctuary, 
to accommodate this growing church, we needed to remodel our fellowship hall. And on top of that, I was preparing to say goodbye to that beloved church where I had served a senior pastor for eight years and come here to serve and be with you. And I felt the pressure in that. I felt a lot of stress around that. My to-do lists were very, very long. And uh, I wince when I say this to you. I found myself thinking things like, well, I am a pastor and God expects more of me. I cannot let God down. So the list got longer and longer. And what this looked like is I consistently worked more than 50 hours a week. And I kept getting sick with first one thing and then another, and my family forgot what I looked like, and I was subsisting on cheese and crackers, not the good kind, but the plastic-wrapped kind with the cheese whiz, that kind, the little red stick, you know what I'm talking about, that kind, and four packs of Red Bull, when a very dear friend, a beloved colleague of mine, called me on it. She's a lot smarter than me. She said, what are you doing? Why are you pushing yourself like this? And I gave her all my excuses, you know. But deep down, what it really was is I, I wanted to please God so badly. I thought I needed to get through those checklist items, you know. Well, she said, you've got to stop. You need to go on retreat. Well, I fought her tooth and nail, friends. I mean, both feet and both arms out. I was like, I'm not going. And she said, oh, you're going. And she taught me into it. Four days. Four days of retreat. Friends, I thought the church would blow up or dry up and float away if I was gone for four days. The hubris there was so bad. Four days. No cell phone. No texts. No calls, no emails, no meetings, no calendar, no to-do list. Just prayer and worship and meditating on the scriptures and peace and taking silent walks to listen to God and receiving Holy Communion twice a day. Well, the first 24 hours, I was so twitchy I couldn't even stand myself. I kept thinking about the meetings and the calendar and the emails that I imagined were just piling up in my absence, you know, but on the second day, something miraculous happened. I sort of settled into a rhythm, fully engaging in those ancient spiritual practices, the ordinances of God. And as I prayed and worshiped and sang the great songs of the faith and meditated on the scripture and received Holy Communion, all that other stuff, it just fell away. And there it was, the grace, the grace. God gave me this gift of rediscovering grace, grace for me and grace for my church. And in fact, I felt as if in a moment I could somehow begin to grasp what grace meant for the whole world.
those ancient spiritual practices filled my soul. They yoked me closer yet again to my Savior. And in that, I found rest. Staying in love with God, you see, that's, that's the key to peace. I thought I would find peace if I could just get through my to-do list, you know, and it would be all nice and complete and neat, and then I could hand it over to God like a full reward card. See, I have filled it all out, Lord, and that was not the ticket at all. Staying in love with God, that's the way to peace. Worship, prayer, Holy Communion, Bible study, these things yoke us close and tight with Christ. And that means everything. Because you see, the yoke that Jesus offers us is a yoke for two. Unlike the yokes that we create for ourselves, which inevitably are yokes for one and are extremely heavy with a big heavy bar across the back, and they usually have two buckets attached, we drag around all of our junk. Jesus' yoke is light. It is easy because it is a yoke of relationship. It's a yoke that brings us close. It's a yoke of love. And when we put on that yoke with Jesus, well then, I'll tell you what that means. You never have to pull the whole load of life again by yourself. And certainly that's a step towards rest and real peace. Friends, I'm going to say something to you that might sound harsh, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because I think it's true. There are those among us who are trying so hard to be faithful that I dare say they are busy killing off their own faith. So many of us are so tired. You tell me that you are tired. You are tired of requirements, and you are tired of obligations, and you are tired of trying so hard. You are just tired of being tired. No wonder Jesus' words ring down through the ages and are music to our ears. Come to me, he says, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is an invitation to relationship. That is an invitation to stay in love with God. My friends, John Wesley was so wise. Use these spiritual tools. Engage in these practices, worship, prayer, holy communion, Bible study, holy conversation. Sing the great songs of the faith. And if fasting is your thing, then go for it. These things will tie you closer to your Lord. Nurture that relationship that gives you life. And then it will be love. Love divine, all love's excelling. That will shape your heart and your life. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for you are the source of all grace. And so, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to truly receive it, to stop trying so hard to earn or deserve, but instead to receive your love and allow it to remake us from the inside out. Lord, help us 
to put on that yoke that you offer for two and draw us close to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.